Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. So I want to ask you, like I do every single Sunday, are you ready for the word? Come on, tell your neighbor, you better get ready for this. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. Get ready, get ready, get ready. In the words of Bishop Jakes. Um, <laughs> I need Bishop Jakes lovers in the house. Man, someday the Lord will bring him here. That would be crazy. Um, give our life savings to get him. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're in a, we're in a new series on the book of James. Uh, did anybody, everybody enjoy part 1 last Sunday? So that was, that was great. That was good. And so we're going to be here for a little while. As I was prepping for this morning, I was kind of like, I was encouraged, but also like discouraged because James has so much that I don't know how long this series is really going to last because we were in James chapter one, verse like three last week. So I'm like, all right, let's go to James chapter two. But then I found like another thing in James chapter one that we need to talk about. And so I want you to turn back to James one and we're going to read verses five through eight. Uh, nice and easy, nice and simple, but there is so much here that God wants to share with us this morning. So my version says it this way. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to everybody without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let the person ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he or she is a double-minded person, unstable in all of their ways. Shoot, that's a, that's, a, that's a heavy word this morning. So it's talking about how we need to ask God for wisdom, but when, we, when we're asking God, we can't doubt, because if we doubt, then we're double-minded, and if we're double-minded, then we're unstable. So that's, that's the word of the Lord this morning. Can we say Amen. Let me pray for us. Just ask for God's presence over this time. Jesus, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful time of worship. Thank you that we are part of the best church, God. Well, we're not competing, but it's a pretty great church, Lord. And so, God, I just thank you for, for this time. And I pray that you would just uh, uh, anoint the, the preaching of your word. God, that it would come forward powerfully and that it would come forward effectively so that we are not going to leave here just saying, yeah, that was good. But I pray that we would leave here saying, truly, I've been transformed by the power of the word of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Any Chick-fil-A lovers in the house? Chick-fil-A. Best thing that ever happened to our area was Chick-fil-A. And now there's two, you know, if you're over there in the East Bay, you have Seekonk. Uh, if we're over here in the, you know, in the bucket, we got, we got Attleboro. It's, it's weird that we have to go to Massachusetts for everything that's good. I don't get it. Uh, is there one in Warwick yet? I feel like Warwick, there is one. Uh, I don't go down to Warwick much, but, but, but yeah, I, I, the Attleboro Chick-fil-A is my location. That's kind of where I, that's where, that's where we go. And, uh, and so the other day I was leaving here and I was going to go home. Alina and I were in separate cars. And so she was going to go home and I was going to go buy Chick-fil-A before I go home. I was just going to pick up food, drive through real quick, just get Chick-fil-A, go home because we are on now to the chicken strips at Chick-fil-A. So chicken strips is the number four. You can choose either three or four four piece and I go for the four piece. It is phenomenal, y'all. Anybody ever, I'm the only one in the room that's been put on, you need to get a chicken strip. Well, I would say today, but they're closed. You should go tomorrow because it is that good. And so I asked Alini before we left here, 
to, we were gonna go home. I said, look, I am going to Chick-fil-A. Would you like anything? And she said, no. I'm kind of full, actually. I said, okay, great, but I'm a husband. I know, th- I know this trick. And so, so, I, so I said, are you sure you don't want anything from Chick-fil-A? Because, like, look, I'll buy you whatever. Like, you name it, you got it. And she's like, no, for real. Like, I'm kind of full, and, I'm, you know, I'm, and, and, and I, I'm really not in the mood for that right now. I'm like, okay, I give it one more shot. I'm like, Alini, I'm going to, I just repeat the whole speech all over again. Alini, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. Would you like anything from Chick-fil-A? No, Shane, for real this time. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, I'm, 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 I'm really all right. I don't want anything. Okay, all right, you said it. I'm, I should record this. Film it. Post it for everyone to know. So I go to Chick-fil-A, go through the drive-thru. The drive-thru there is like super fast. They have your ready order. They have your order ready before you even order what you're ordering. And so, so, so we, I go through and I, I, I get the number four, four, four piece uh, chicken strips with the fries. How many of y'all love the Chick-fil-A fries, man? The fries there are great. And so I get Polynesian sauce. Polynesian sauce is my, 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 my sauce there. Um, I'm not into Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm into Polynesian sauce. And so I get you know, Polynesian sauce for days, and, and, and I'm going home with my baggie, ready, ready to, to have my bag lunch. I pull into our house, and I come into our apartment, and I'm going to unpack all of the great wonders that I have just purchased, and, and I sit down at the table, and Alini begins, you know, approaching the table, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, how... <laughs> And I unpack, get my sauces out, get my fries out, get my chicken strips out, get my stuff out. And she has the nerve to say, can I get a fry? So now I'm faced with, yeah. And and the thing about about Chick-fil-A fries is you give one, you give half of the thing because those fries are huge. They need to decrease the size to increase the count. And so, so, so I, I give her a fry, but that was just like her entrance into the conversation. Because after asking for a fry, she's asking for a strip. And at which point I was like, I felt like calling a meeting of all the women in the world. Let's book a stadium. And settle this because this is crazy. I asked once, twice, three times, do you want Chick-fil-A? And she said no. But yet when I got it, now all of a sudden, her full feeling is gone and she wants my food. So I I said, Alini, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you play this game? I'm just going to just buy extra next time. I'm not trying to spend money, y'all, but, but, but I'm just, I'd rather spend the money. Like, and she said, no, yours tastes better. That is the worst cop-out answer I have ever heard in my life. Yours just 
tastes better. Sweet. It's not sweet. It's robbery. It's theft. Sweet. My thing is, like, if you want it, ask for it. There's a sermon in everything. If you have a need, go to the one that can fulfill that need. Wives, women, even if you're single, you're already plotting to do this. Stop the plot. And if you want it, ask for it. If you're sitting next to a female, a woman, the opposite of a man, turn to that person next to you and say, ask for it. (laughs) And can all the men in the house please say amen? Amen. Thank you, fellas. What I found with Alini that day is that she was the embodiment of what James was saying, a double-minded person unstable in all of their ways. I had to transition into the content, and so I had to shock you. It's okay. We're still married. She didn't take her ring off. <laughs> we're, we're good. But, but man, this double-mindedness is like, have you noticed, though, how we got to make up our minds? Man, we got to make up our minds because James has given us a clear word that the one who asks but doubts is like a wave tossed by the sea, and it's like a, a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. And I use a petty Chick-fil-A, Alini example to prove a spiritual point that if you want something that the Father has, go directly to the Father and ask. At City Night, I talked a little bit about boldness, and I think God wants to reiterate a little bit of that this morning, that we need to develop a spiritual boldness that is able to approach the Father and not make demands of God as if he's a genie in a bottle, but really approach the Father as our provider, knowing that he has what we need. So can you stop being like Alini at Chick-fil-A and, and saying, though, I don't want it, I don't need, and, and, and kind of we throw this whole double-mindedness into our prayer life, and, but rather would we have the confidence to approach God and say, Lord, I need wisdom. This morning, I want to talk a lot about wisdom. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Like definitions vary, and that's what James is talking about in James chapter one. He's saying, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who can give it. And so I was thinking through this, processing kind of this idea for this morning, and I started thinking about you know the difference between knowledge and wisdom, how knowledge is fact-based, but wisdom is really different because wisdom is seeing life through God's perspective. I think that's the definition that I want to use from now on for wisdom. It is seeing my circumstance through the lens of God so that I'm not looking at it because can we just be honest? Sometimes we allow uh, the trials of life, the facts to dictate our feelings. And so uh, if unemployment's what we're going through, then we kind of let our feelings be based upon the knowledge that we have that we're unemployed, don't have money and need to pay bills. And so, but when we look at it through wisdom, we know that we can begin seeing it as an opportunity for God to provide and us to rely on him to meet our needs. You see the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge will steer your feelings, but I think wisdom will, 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 will steer your future. 
If, feel, if, if knowledge is going to dictate the way I feel in the moment, then I think wisdom can elevate us to the point of seeing what we're going through through the perspective of God. And so, so he's saying, if any of you lacks wisdom. And so I started thinking about this. I'm like, what is James telling us? And I understand this morning is a little bit more teachy than preachy, but, but James chapter one begins with this whole talk about trials. He's saying, look, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and when it's completed its work, you're going to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The next sentence James gives us, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let you, they, they should ask God who gives generously without reproach. And a lot of times you'll hear these two verses preached in two separate sermons. Like, okay, we're going to talk about testing of faith in one sermon, and then we're going to talk about wisdom in another sermon. Kind of like what we done for the past two weeks. Last week we talked about the test. Today we're talking about wisdom. But if we had the time last week, I would have merged those two sermons into one because I think the season that you need the most wisdom is in the season that you're going through the test. That's not two sermons, that's one sermon because I think a lot of Christians are basing the way they go through tests on the knowledge they have of the test, the facts they have of the test. But you can't base the way you go through the test on your knowledge because if you base it on your knowledge, then your feelings are gonna be up and down and you're gonna live on a perpetual roller coaster of good times and bad times. But when you ask God for wisdom in the middle of your test, you are gonna look at it through a bird's eye perspective of how God sees your circumstance and you're not gonna be on a roller coaster of emotion up here, down there. Rather, you are going to be steady, steadfast, unmovable upon the word of God, knowing that what he is doing and what he is allowing in your life is actually bringing new wine out of your life. More than a golf clap, not bogey, not, not, not par. Come on, clap your hands like you mean it. More than a golf clap, Tiger Woods ain't here. We need, we need wisdom to see what we're going through the way God sees it. Man, have you ever needed wisdom? Shoot, not knowledge, because knowledge you can get anywhere. I'm talking wisdom. Like I need God to give me his mind to understand what I'm going through. Yo, there's not a day that I don't need wisdom. Shoot, wisdom. When people come with, with their stories of what they're going through and they're looking for counsel or looking for prayer, can I just be honest? Shane has no idea what to say. But wisdom is what helps you see their perspective through God's eyes. Man, I need wisdom. To lead my, my and look, I, I don't have a, it's only me and Alini at home. We don't have children yet. I can't even imagine. Shout out to the parents in the room. I don't even, you brought humans into this planet and now you're responsible for them. That's wild. But I feel overwhelmed sometimes with leading my marriage. I need wisdom. Because there's a weight of responsibility upon, upon the husband. I need wisdom. I'm not going to go through this just kind of haphazardly, conveniently. I need wisdom. Have you ever sought God's wisdom in regards to your career path? Like, Lord, what is it that you want me to even do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? Like, what is this thing all about? You see, knowledge is going to steer you in the direction of some things, but wisdom may steer you in a completely, totally different direction. So this morning, can I, can I just peel back a little, another layer here, is I think a lot of preachy, teachy sermons these days are a lot of knowledge. It's head stuff. 
But what we need is not just head stuff. We need heart stuff. And it can't just stay head stuff and heart stuff. Head stuff and heart stuff has to become hand stuff so that we don't just know and we don't just feel, but now we begin to do, wow, I spit a lot right there. And all these lights highlighted it. I don't know if you saw it, but that was impressive. Um, (laughs) It's not just head and heart, but it becomes hands. And man, we love head stuff because head stuff doesn't affect heart stuff. So as long as I know it, then whatever, I know it. But I think true transformation happens when head stuff becomes heart stuff and heart stuff becomes hand stuff. So it's not just something that I know and something that I feel, but it's who I've become. And that's what God's wisdom does. Knowledge can stay right here, but wisdom is something that God deposits in my head and it affects now my heart and it affects now what I do and how I live out. Church, we don't need more knowledge. We need more wisdom. And inside wisdom, there is discernment that I think is a gift of the spirit to discern what is of the light and what is of not the light. There's a word for that darkness. Um, I think we need discernment. I think we need wisdom. I think we need to, and, and man, that stuff comes with intimacy with God. You see, a lot of us want wisdom, but we're not spending time with the Father. Don't get quiet on me. We, we, need, we need wisdom. Tell your neighbor, get wisdom. It's in the context of the test. Wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge focuses on facts. Wisdom focuses on the future. Knowledge affects feelings. Wisdom affects choices. And if you need wisdom, you got to ask God. You know one of my biggest pet, any of y'all have pet peeves in the room? Pet peeves, things that just drive you nuts. Shout them out. What's your pet peeve? Pet peeve. Chewing fingernails? Dirty fingernails. Okay, dirty fingernails. Chewing loud. Talking in the morning. Wow. I'm doing that right now. You must hate me. Huh? Talking in the morning. Uh, Milsey, one of our girls from City Boston, came last week, and she brought her little niece. And the niece asked her during the sermon, why is he screaming? And I think maybe that's how you feel if your pet peeve is talking in the morning. Uh, why is he shouting? Uh, any other pet peeves? One more? Not putting things back in their place. My dad hates the phrase at the end of the day. If anybody uses that, the phrase at the end, I don't know why, it gets under his skin. Like if you say, like at the end of the day, this or that, he hates it. Doesn't like the phrase. You know what one of my pep peeves is? When everybody says they. They said, they, they are, they, 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 their opinion. I'm always like, who are they? People are saying And I'm always like, who's the people? Because they ain't told me. Well, you know what they're saying? No, I don't, because I don't know who they are. They, have you noticed some people just throw out they? It ain't they, it's them. It's that person. The awkward chuckle is because maybe y'all done it. They, they is your opinion. Just be like, I think, instead of being like they. That's one of my pet peeves, bro. That just gets under my skin. But because if you want facts, if you want something, you know where you got to go? Not to they. You got to go to the source. A lot of us are seeking wisdom from they. I'm preaching. I'm not shouting like Milsey's niece thought I was. I'm telling you, we need wisdom And for wisdom, we're going to they. Let me give you a teaching moment. People 
can give you knowledge. God can give you wisdom. Now, God does use people to transmit wisdom. But those people are few and far between. Not everybody's wise. Because you see, in the social media-driven generation, everybody got a podcast, everybody got a blog, everybody got a site, everybody got a thought, everybody got an opinion. And so what we do is we classify all that as wisdom. There's a whole lot of wisdom that is straight up garbage. Y'all okay? There's a lot of stuff that, let's go a little deeper. There's a lot of stuff that sounds wise that when you compare it to scripture is actually foolishness. Just because they know big words does not mean it's wise. Because sometimes if you're confused after they answered, you're like, wow, they're so wise. No, it's just you didn't understand. Because if you got a dictionary and unpacked those words, it was a lot of foolishness that sounded smart. Is this too harsh for 940, 10.04? No, we got to go there because I think the devil uses stuff that sounds good to lead the saints astray. The enemy is able to use that which sounds wise to actually deposit a seed of foolishness in the hearts of people whose intentions are pure. And so I want to just encourage you with this. If you need wisdom, go to God. Go to, go to the source. Don't go to they. Don't go to them. Go to God. But yet be open to the few and far between people that God has placed in your life that are able to speak wisdom and speak the word of God truly into your heart. Because you know when it's wisdom is you can compare it to scripture and it lines up. And I want to give another word of counsel. This is a whole lot of good stuff. When somebody asks you for wisdom, don't just spew off whatever comes to the top of your head at a moment's notice because you are directing destinies when you give wisdom. It's better for you to take a moment, breathe, process, ask God to fill you and then speak than for you to just give your initial gut response to somebody because you never know what they may do next based upon what you are saying at first. Is this helping anybody this morning? We need wisdom. So if James is saying, if any of you lacks wisdom, go to God who gives generously. Have you ever been to Wendy's and you get like a four for four? A lot of food analogies this morning. Uh, you go to get a four for four and you're like, can I get sweet and sour sauce with that? And they're like, yeah, I got you. And then you open up the bag and it's one sauce cup. So you ask the lady for another cup and they act like it's gold that they're giving away and they give you kind of like that stank look like, who do you think you are? You ain't an investor in Wendy's. Like you don't, and, and we're like, I just want one more cup. To be honest, I could actually take four and use all of them, but I'll take one. But then you go to Taco Bell and you ask for sauce and they give you 55 sauces for every one taco that you got. They literally go, boom. 55 sauces per taco. 55. It's a lot of sauce. There's a fundamental business difference between Wendy's and, 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 and Taco Bell. Wendy's is giving out sauce like they don't got none left. Taco Bell is giving sauce out like if y'all don't take it, then the world's going to end. Like, y'all got to have the sauce. And I think sometimes we act like God is Wendy's. Well, okay, Shane, you asked for wisdom. 
here you go. And that's not, that, when God gives, he gives like Taco Bell. 55 doses of wisdom for the one request. He's not like Wendy's. God's not stingy. God's not cheap. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously. And man, I believe in a lavishly giving God. A God that does not just kind of withhold, because he's not sitting there up in heaven with a ton of wisdom, wisdom nuggets. And he's like saying, okay, who's going to, I just picture a bunch of like gold nuggets of wisdom up in the heavenlies, right? And, and so this is the way I picture God. And so we begin asking for wisdom and God's like, all right. Here's you, here you go, and then we pray again, and here you... No, I believe that when we dedicate ourselves to time with the Lord, God pours out lavishly that which he has upon us. And so if you lack wisdom, God is not a Wendy's God. God is like a Taco Bell God. And I know that sounds doctrinally incorrect, but if you get the point, that's all that matters to me. I don't need you to be like, well, that's actually, that's actually theologically, doctrinally, Christologically, eschatologically, angel incorrect. I know, I know, I know. I know, but you know what you're going to remember? That God gives out wisdom like Taco Bell sauce packets. And that's what I want you to remember. So go to God who gives generously. Go to God. He gives it out like crazy. And I believe that God is so good. God is so good that he's not waiting for us to say the magic words. Sometimes we act like God is like genie in a bottle. Say the magic words. He's a father that we can approach. Shayla and I had this experience. Uh, she had just started driving, and I was not yet driving. She's four years older than I am. And, and my parents had gone on a trip, and I, we were going to pick up my parents from the airport. This was the early 2000s, probably 2002, 2003, somewhere like that. And so my dad and mom had this green minivan, and it was parked inside the, the garage. And so the day came for us to pick up my parents from the airport. And so Shayla hops in the driver's seat. I hop in the passenger seat. We're backing out of the garage. And we smacked the mirror on the side of the garage. Breaking, she, she, she did the driving. I was doing the watching. And we, and a, and a, a chunk of the mirror, the, the frame of the mirror cracked off. And this was like a brand new van. Like this was like a big deal. This was a 99 van. It was probably like 2001 at this point. So this is still new. And so we made a decision. We made a blood covenant that day. We cracked out the super glue. We super glued that chunk back on the mirror. And we said, as God is our witness, Shayla, we will tell no one. You don't tell Papo. You sure don't tell Mamo. You do not tell Mama and Papai. We die with this knowledge. We die. We die with this. So we drive off to TF Green, pick up my parents. Hey, welcome home. And we start driving back. And sure enough, the little piece of the mirror that we super glued on falls right out. At which point we have a conversation with the owner of the vehicle, Dr. Lima. And they were quite upset. Not because we broke the mirror but because we hid the fact that we broke the mirror. If we had gone up to my dad and said, look, you let your daughter, (laughs) if we had just been honest and said, look, we broke the mirror, sorry, it happened. 
I'm telling you, I know my dad. He wouldn't have been like, what? Flip the tables, break everything. You're never driving again. You're condemned. Like, I'm calling the cops. He wouldn't have done any of that. He would have said, oh, tabing. I don't know, something, something light. But the fact that we glued it, vowed to never tell a soul, acted like it never happened, I think God took the piece out of that mirror. <laughs> I swear God did it. Dude, you're not going to get away with this. And James chapter 1 says, when we ask God for wisdom, he's not going to be disappointed when you ask. He says, ask God who gives. Check this out. I want to read this so I don't mess it up. It says, he gives generously to all without reproach, meaning God's not disappointed when you need wisdom. God's disappointed when you don't ask him for wisdom. The disappointment in my dad was not the fact that we broke the mirror. The disappointment was that we tried to hide it. I think God doesn't look at us and be like, here he comes asking for wisdom again. That's who God is. That's what God does. He gives wisdom. The disappointment doesn't lie in the fact that you need it. The disappointment is in the fact that you're going to other people seeking what only he can give. The problem is not in you needing it. The problem is what source are you going to to get it? And so this morning, I'm just reminded of the goodness of the Father that he does not condemn those who approach him asking for what he has. Rather, he gives generously and bestows upon everyone that which he possesses, which is wisdom. And church, what we need this morning is wisdom. And who you need to go to for is God. Because God's a good father. But this is my last point, Tyler, if you could help me out wherever you're seated in this sanctuary, I don't know where to find you, is, 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 is this, is, there he is, and right next to his keyboard. Um, I knew you were there. It says, when you ask God, you got to ask and not doubt. I wrote this down in my notes because I didn't want this to be messed up. Let me find it somewhere here. Here it is. says doubting the number one thing that holds us from experiencing the supernatural move of God in our lives on a constant basis is doubt the number one thing that holds us from experiencing the supernatural move of God in our lives on a daily basis is doubt doubt but you see we have to place our faith in something at all times for everything that's right now I'm placing my faith I'm standing on this stage. I'm placing my faith on the fact that the fellows who built this built it correctly so that it could support my weight. My faith is on this stage. My faith is on the efforts of the men that built this. Right now, our faith is in the electrical wiring of this building, that it's not going to blow up and we're all going to die. We place faith in something for everything. When you drive up to Taco Bell, you're placing faith, and a lot of times that faith falters because you will go to the bathroom later that food, you're placing faith that it's going to nourish you. It won't. Faith is everywhere. When I jump on 95, I am placing faith in the fact that the drivers around me are not going to crash into me. We put faith in everything all the time. So when it comes to this relationship with God, faith in him has to look like you crucifying yourself. Because when you doubt God, you're saying, God, I doubt you. 
but I put faith in me. Doubting God equals faith in self. But faith in God equals knowing that you can't, knowing that if it's up to you, things aren't going to work out. You see, that's where wisdom comes in. Because wisdom is what says God got this, even when my feelings aren't lining up to what's happening all around me. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom begins to look at my circumstance and says, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm going to believe in you and I'm not going to doubt. Because if I doubt, I'm going to be unstable. If I doubt, I'm going to be like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. If I doubt, then I'm going to just be here, kind of sitting here without anything uh, coming together. But when when, when you put your faith in God, When you put your faith in him and you ask him for wisdom without doubting, I believe God gives lavishly upon those who put their faith in him. Man, there's the story of the disciples and they were out on the sea in the the middle of the lake and and Jesus is taking a nap in the stern of the boat. And I think this is a spiritual point because if Jesus loved naps, then so should we. But but let's just keep moving on. Is is, is that they were being blown and taught. Any nap lovers in the house, man, this is a good thing. A nice Sunday afternoon Nazarene nap goes a long way. But but there was the, Jesus was taking a nap and the disciples are all in the boat and they're over there rocking and and, 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 and they're trying to manage the storm on their own. Jesus is still knocked out in the bottom of the boat. And then the disciples decide to wake up Jesus. And they're like, rise and shine, uh, Savior. They're not saying any of that. They turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're dying? Now, my question is, were they dying? No. Were they going to really die with Jesus in the boat? No. But knowledge of the storm affected the way they were feeling. Wisdom would have said, why don't we call the guy who created all of this? Surely the man who created it can calm it. But knowledge said, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? You see, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And so Jesus gets up. He commands the wind and the waves to be settled down. Peace be still. And then he takes a teachable moment, turns to his disciples and said, why did you doubt, oh, you of little faith? Didn't you know that until my mission is complete, none of us can die? You see, sometimes you feel like your circumstance is about to kill you. But until your mission is complete, you can't die. God's going to strengthen you and he's going to give you wisdom to see the storm through the lens of God. It's not going to be a storm that's going to destroy you. It's an opportunity for God to bring peace. That's what wisdom does. We start seeing the storm, not through the lens of its destruction, but through the lens of God's power to tame and calm the storm. So I need you to stand with me this morning because I want to pray for you.